Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right. Every Monday night you can find us here, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Time, 7 o'clock in the uh, uh, Central Time Zone, 7 o'clock, I should say, in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe. You have joined us tonight on Hope and Healing and a Journey to Hold Us, and we're so grateful that you've joined us here tonight, and we're excited about this show tonight and what it will entail. It's an open mind show. It's an open line show tonight. So I want you to tell a friend, tell a neighbor that they can join us here tonight on Hope and Healing, a Journey to Hold Us. It's your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm going to tell you more about this show, but right at the top of the hour here I want us to begin this day, and I want to take you to a commercial message to tell you a little bit about why we're here and why we do what we do. via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on facebook is a spiritual drama-free judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies scriptures music prayer worship and fellowship 
It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. Journey to hold us. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Here we are, folks, just a few days before Thanksgiving, a time to give thanks and to give praise for all the mount, uh, the many blessings and bountiful blessings that we enjoy and that we enjoy so much, a time to fellowship with family and friends around not only the table of brotherhood, but the table of fellowship in the terms of reaching out to those that are unable to reach back to us. And that is what it's really all about. When we talk about hope and healing, we talk about so much with the aspect of abuse and domestic violence and all those things that are going on. One thing that we need to understand is that these things don't seemingly light up, and they don't tend to lighten up around times such as this. We have officially entered what we call the holiday season. This is a season where uh, so much happens, a time of goodwill toward all men. It's a time of people coming together. It's a time of people uh, generally becoming a little bit more joyous and a little bit more giving and a little less selfish. But this is really something that we must keep in mind. That is not a reality for everyone. Many victims that suffer at the hand of abuse and uh, at the hands of violence, these times are very devastating for them. It is a time that signifies a, uh, a high level of intensity, a high level of frustration, and oftentimes a very stressful situation. And for those individuals <clears throat> that are being impacted by abuse and violence, it is a time that those that are most closest to them need to not only be sensitive to them, but to try and form a support circle and a support uh, around that individual and a support to that individual. See, it's quite evident that during these times of holiday season, many times the the intensity level goes up, especially with the perpetrator. And things become compounded and compounded and actually exasperated, and we find pain and hurt, and we find abuse that is happening. But I want to challenge every one of us tonight to take the opportunity to move beyond ourselves, be just a little bit more kind, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more considerate. Consider the person at work 
whose manifesting symptoms were they seemed to be more withdrawal than ever before. That person at work that seemed to be more elusive than they were before. Perhaps to that person at work that you kind of notice the fact that they are missing from work, especially every Monday. Or that person who you find that is wearing more makeup and more uh, makeup than usual. Or perhaps it's that individual that you ride the bus with, you ride the public transportation with. Perhaps you notice a difference in their demeanor. All of those could be signs that you're dealing with a person that may be in an abusive relationship. The abuse doesn't stop because of the holidays. It doesn't stop because it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur. They don't stop because of a Hanukkah. They don't stop because of any of those things. They do not stop. Because we understand that it is an attitude, it's a mindset, it's a way of life, it's a a thought pattern of an individual that is abusive. And so often victims find themselves up under such a heavy weight of guilt and shame and fear around holiday time. Because as much as they want a normal life, oftentimes it's everything but normal. See, tonight we have an opportunity to reach out beyond ourselves. If we're going to talk about healing, if we're going to talk about hope and healing, a journey to wholeness, then we have to be the ones to offer the hope and healing. And understand that the journey to wholeness for many people takes different paths. See, interesting enough, the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible records, for 12 long years, she had an issue of blood, could not get help anywhere, and she suffered in that manner. Her deliverance, her healing, came after... All of those years And yet it's still the man with the withered hand Jesus asks him to stretch it out And it's made whole instantly See, healing is a journey We never know how it happens, when it happens But we know that it is possible and it does happen And so inside of all that we do We have to understand that Healing is achieved through many different ways. It's achieved mainly through love, support, comfort, caring. It's achieved through those that are willing to help protect to help us build. It's achieved through a consistent guide of compassion and a consistent diet of direction. Healing is, is achieved when we recognize the fact that we are hurting and we're willing and ready to make the next step. The next step on our road to not being just a victim, not just being a survivor, but the next step in taking our lives back and becoming, if you would, a thriver. It happens each and every day. It happens because of the fact somewhere along the line there's a support system. There's someone that believes. There's someone who's willing to walk that walk, willing to be there and be patient. The question that each of us have to ask ourselves, are we the one? Are we the ones that will do that? Are we the ones that that can be depended upon to make that work? And so I want to just say to you today that inside of healing and hope and healing today, it's about bringing hope as well as healing. 
Healing is so important. Healing is when we can say that I have been restored. I have been renewed. I have been mended. I have been, if you would, made better. We have to understand, everyone needs healing from something. Healing from incident, healing from an episode, healing from an event, healing from a lifestyle. Because those things go hand in hand. And we've got to understand the necessity and how important it is for us to make a difference in people's lives by not being silent, but rather by being visible, by being present, and by being willing to go that next step. That next step is what it's so about. And if we're willing to go that way, we're going to impact a lot of lives, and lives that you may not always get a thank you from, but lives that will be so much better because you and I decide not to sit on the sideline, but we decide to get in the game. And we decide to get in the game for one reason only, and that is to lead people better than where we found them. To understand the words of Sir Winston Churchill, who said it so eloquently, he said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And when we get into a place where we want to make a life, that is when we become most fruitful. So listen, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us, Eric code 323 Eric code 323 That's how you reach us here if you're listening by way of the telephone. If you're by Internet, that's www.soulofamericaradio.com. Now, and speaking of healing and speaking of the fact of the difficult it is to come out of an abusive relationship, I want you to hear today that people stay for many different reasons. And just a few of them want to share with you why we stay. It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? Why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it. Because to me, it's so obvious. Why does anybody stay with somebody that they love? You know, we've all been in relationships that even if they weren't abusive, we're not working any longer. And we all stay far longer than we want. And it's, you stay for the same reasons. You stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children. When we ask, why did you stay? You know, we're blaming the victim for their abuse as opposed to asking, why did you hit this person? Or why are you violent? Or why do you feel the need to be violent? Why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims. It's cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. 
and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again, and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family, and essentially, he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand, and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I, and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always <laughs> so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question, why did you leave? Why did you leave? Why did you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing acts, and that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind. And, saying things to me that no one had ever said and, and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning. And we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent uh, moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that, that bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it. And so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left, that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that 
I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't gonna do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse. is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R.L. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio.
Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right, each and every Monday night from 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, or wherever you may be around the globe, you can find us here on Hope and Healing, Our Journey to Wholeness. And I'm so glad that you've joined us, and I pray and trust that you were blessed by that which you just heard there. And it is so important that we have certain conversations because of the fact I know that there are people that are hurting. Now, people are not just hurting because of issues such as domestic violence. They're hurting for a number of reasons. They're hurting because of the fact they feel displaced and rejected. They're hurting because they feel abandoned. They're hurting because they feel inadequate. They're hurting because they feel like they've failed. They're hurting because they feel like for some reason or another things just are not happening in time. But what we do know is that there's a hope that is there. There's a hope that is obtainable. There's a hope that is achievable. And there's a hope that can transform lives. And it can transform the lives regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've been into, regardless of what has happened. And it can happen for you in a way that your life can be transformed. Now, one of the things that is so important is understanding that a journey is just that. It is not a sprint, it's a marathon. That's what life is. It's a it's a marathon. And we have to be willing to go and walk that marathon because it is so crucial if we're going to become what we need to become. Life isn't just about what has happened to us, but it's what we do with what has happened to us. And so that's going to be so very, very important if we're really going to get to a place where we move beyond the things that have held us bound and we begin to walk in a manner where we find strength, that we find edification, that we find, if you would, hope for tomorrow. And it's important. So many families are impacted by things that happen um, in their lives. These time of years, you've got to understand that families suffer tragedies that will last a long time. And, and these tragedies oftentimes, dig so deep into the very soul of who they are that it affects not only the immediate family, but affects communities around them. And we have to understand that it's so imperative that we do something about it. Now, I want to say something to you tonight, that as we want to share a few things with you, I want to share some things that has happened most recently uh, inside of domestic violence. I want to go to Domestic Violence Crime Watch, and this is a story that was actually posted yesterday. It's a story out of Pennsylvania. A man who posted to social media that he could not control his demons killed his ex-girlfriend and their three-year-old son and then himself in Luzerne County early Saturday, according to the police. Zachary Yaskus, 23, shot and killed Sheree Thompson, 21 outside of the home at 347 McLean Street, where Ms. Thompson lived and their son. Police said a news release. What happened? Mr. Yaskuts drove off with the boy on Interstate 81 North, pulled off the interstate on the median in, in, in Piston TWP, and shot the child, police said. 
And it goes on from there, folks. Here's a young family, 23 and 21, and a three-year-old child. And in this case here, that this individual said that he could not control the demons that was dealing with him, that was that was in his life. And as a result, he decided to take the life of not only the three-year-old, but also the, uh, the mother of the three-year-old, 21 years old, and then even himself. Why is this important? It's important because oftentimes it is not always that cut and dry. There are so many other issues that are surrounding things that have influenced the way one thinks, the way one behaves and act out. And as a result, it ends up in this type of violence. Why is this important? Because when we look at stories such as this, we find so many very common threads. See, the officers said they found Mr. Yas was dead in his vehicle in the medium near marker I-175. He had shot himself in the head. Police found the boy in a car seat in the back of the vehicle with a bullet wound to the head, but the boy was still breathing and later on taken to the Gissinger uh, Wyoming Valley Medical Center where he was pronounced dead about 6.42 a.m. Both city and police, uh, state police went to Ms. Thompson's McLean residence shortly after 7 a.m., and found her dead in a Jeep parked outside. And they determined that Mr. Yaskas had shot her in the head about 5.05 a.m. after a short argument. And then early Saturday, he posted to his Facebook page that I'm dead. Everyone, I'm sorry I couldn't control my demons. And that the precise time of the post could not be determined, but based on the timeline given by police, it appears that it was posted after he had killed Ms. Thompson. See, he had a history of violence, at least some some of it was directed toward Ms. Thompson. That's what the court records in the news archives indicated. Mr. Yaskers was charged with felony aggravated assault in February 2012. Well, he was only 18 at that time. In that case, police alleged that Mr. Yaskers slashed the throat of his then-girlfriend, who was 17, leaving a five-inch scar. The charges were dismissed after the victim refused to testify at Mr. Yaska's preliminary hearing. See, Ms. Thompson was the victim in that case, according to uh, Wilkes Bar Councilwoman Beth Gibber, who said she knew Mr. Yaska and Ms. Thompson when they all attended Gar Memorial High School. Mr. Yaska faced a misdemeanor simple assault charge in 2015. That charge was also dismissed, and it was not clear Saturday whether or not Ms. Thompson was the victim in that case. See, in most cases, you're going to hear neighbors say exactly what you hear these neighbors say. You know what they said? I didn't know that was going on. You know what they say? They say, as this person said, Miss Thompson was always a very friendly person, according to Miss Gilbert, who said she and Miss Thompson sang in a school chorus together. A neighbor in the 300 block of McLean Street described Miss Thompson as a wonderful person who did not deserve this. Police did not release the boy's name, but he is identified as Alexander. In post, Ms. Thompson made it to social media and on a GoFundMe page started Sunday, Saturday to raise money for funerals, for instance, for Ms. Thompson and her son. You know, it is sad when we see these type of things happening. Here's a young couple. He was 23, she was 21, and the baby was three years of age. And yet it's still, when one may say, well, demons got the best of him, what we understand is that this is a pattern. This is a behavior pattern that he had. Because being charged previously 
when he was only 17, 18 himself, being charged with assault, putting a, a knife to a young lady's throat, and actually going leaving a five-inch scar. So I want to talk about something. I want to talk about what hurting people do. No, this is not meant to be a justification or excuse for people who bat or abuse because they must be held accountable. But I do think we have to always answer the question, what do we do with victims who have now become perpetrators? What do we do with people who have lived this life being exposed to violence and being abused themselves, and yet and still they now have come of age and they end up doing the same thing that they witnessed and have experienced? What is our responsibility inside of it? What do we do? What messages do we bring forth? What type of thing do we present to the world? Because all those things will be very important as we are on this journey of hope and healing. And that's what is so crucially important inside of so many aspects of these cases. Yes, the degree of shame and, and, and shame and doubt that oftentimes crowds and clouds over a person who may be suffering at the hands of domestic violence. And yet it's still that's compounded when they have other special disabilities. So that means that we all have a job to do, and that job is to listen, is to be that if you would, that is to be that hospital, to be that trauma center, is to be that triage for someone who may be on the verge of snap, crackle, and pop. But we have to understand that it's so important that we stay up in a rim and inside a level of expectation that we can continue to increase and multiply upon that which we already know. So you listen to Hope and Healing and Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, Jared Thicklin. I'm so glad that you joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. If you're listening tonight and you'd like to come on the air with us, just simply uh, hit the uh, hit the button to indicate the fact that you want to come on the air. Just hit the one on your keypad, and that will let our producer know that you want to come on the air. So that's how you reach us tonight, and that's what I want you to be able to do tonight and share with us here on Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. I think it's so important that we recognize uh, the strength that it takes to get through these type of abusive relationships. And it takes strength and it takes support from each and every one of us. So with that being said, I am always interested in getting your calls. I want you to understand how vitally important it is. I want you to understand how vitally important it is for us to not only share and to share with you, but to also hear your stories that are going on. We like to provide guidance and insight. We like to provide, if you would, aha moments in the fact of recognizing the fact that, you know, that you can start over again. You can find refuge. You can find yourself being made whole. But it's a journey there, and we've got to be willing to support those that are going through. Unfortunately, there's many families, even across the nation, that find the holiday time one of the most difficult points in their life, whether it's due to loss of loved one right around that holiday time, senseless violence and killing. No one wins when there's been that type of open wound that has been laid bare. But what does happen is when we're willing to step up, when we're willing to be a champion, when we're willing to let our light shine, when we're willing to reach out beyond ourselves, when we're willing to mentor those that 
can't pay for it, to mentor those who don't even know they need mentoring. When is it that we make a difference? We make a difference when we understand the words of Winston Churchill, who talks about the fact that we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And if we're willing to give, guess what? We can make a difference. We can change the world around. So it is that so oftentimes when people are in distress, they need help. And they need someone who's willing to listen and help change their lives around. I want to take you back into a recording. I want to take you back into an interview of our guests that we had two guests that night. And we'll come back Holy from and there. Get in on tonight. But that's because the show is and that hot tonight. I want tonight. you to hear this tonight with these guests here that is going to come and share just a little bit of their story. And we'll be right here right after this message. Uh, we'll be right here. If you have a uh, question or comment and would like to speak, just hit number one on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we'll make sure you're on the air. Needs so let's the restoration of healing. And so tonight, as we have you on the line, we have plenty of you that are still uh, holding on that uh, did not abandon us. And so we're grateful for that tonight. And we have some very special guests that is going to be with us on tonight. Uh, they're going to join us. Tonight, as always, is about empowerment. Tonight, as always, is about how do we make that next step. Tonight is about really the bridge that we begin to build in the lives of those that are so affected by this issue of domestic violence. And so we're going to get into our callers here in just a second. I have two very special guests with me tonight. And because, in fact, we lost about 18 minutes worth of broadcast time, what I want to do is to make sure that we get you on and that you have an opportunity to participate inside of what we're doing. That is the fact that you can listen to us two ways. You can listen to us by going to www.soulofamericaradio.com, or you can listen to us by calling area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. And at any given time, if you're listening and you desire to have a question, want to speak to our guests or ask a question, Simply hit number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight, and we're so excited to have each and every one of you that are listening tonight on this great radio broadcast. Now, I want to immediately get started by saying these words here, that I believe tonight is about empowerment. I believe tonight is about victory and is about triumph. In other words, uh, there are many people that find themselves victims of domestic violence. We know that statistics says that women, one in four women in their lifetime, will be a victim of domestic violence. One in seven men will suffer that same fate. But what I want you to know is that just like there's a way in, there are ways out of it. And there are those that come out of it, and they're triumphant, and they get through it in a significant way. And so tonight I have two very special, uh, what I call victorious survivors that are on the line tonight. Uh, our first guest, and they're going to both be on simultaneously here in a minute, I am a Sheila. Uh, Sheila Bryan is going to be on the line with us. Sheila is not only a survivor, she is a businesswoman, she is an entrepreneur, and she is a mover and a shaker, and she has the testimony to prove it. She's come through some things, uh, she's overcome some things, and she has agreed tonight to be with us because she wants to share those things that she's come through. She wants to share about the victory that she has uh, had. And so tonight I welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Sheila, I want to say good evening to you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jair. You know, uh, 
your story is absolutely tremendous. I had an opportunity a little bit over a week ago to share a platform with you uh, on another show, and I was so absolutely blessed by your testimony and by the things that you had endured that I told you immediately I wanted you on to, on the show, and you're here tonight. Uh, why don't you greet our audience tonight and share them a little bit about your story and how you came into it and how you came out of it? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, and I want to also thank your listeners for tuning in. Um, my story began in um, 1999. I flew in from South America, Colombia, very young, age of 17, and pretty much young to this country, naive, obviously, looking for the American dream, looking for bigger things in my life. I um, I definitely came across this very charming man by the time I turned 18 in the summer of 2000. I, you know, ran into this very charming, good-looking, handsome man who kind of just, you know, began to romance me, you know, we became good friends, and eventually after a year dating, we got married. Um, Little to my knowledge, this gentleman was no longer the charming individual who he, you know, portrayed at the beginning. He began to, obviously after we got married, we found out we were pregnant. Um, At the time, I was not working. I was a stay-at-home wife. And abuse began the moment that we found out we were pregnant. So at some point, the blame begins on perhaps having a child is more responsibility. Um, it was a very difficult time for me because I have no family in the United States. So I was kind of stuck at that point where I'm married and I'm pregnant, I'm young, not knowing much. I kind of got myself to believe that this was it at that point. Um you know, over the years, we, you know, we had more children. I had my first daughter at 19, my second daughter um, by the age of 20, and um, we had one more child, a son, which by the time I was 22, I had my third child. So little to say that it was a very tough, difficult situation when, you know, the abuse was emotional in the beginning, then it became physical. Um, he would hit me. My husband would hit me anywhere. We would go to the grocery store. We might go out in public to, you know, different venues, different locations, and he, he, the strikes will come sometimes with no reason behind it. And um, one of my darkest moments in my marriage was, you know, being pregnant and my husband completely losing it and striking me so hard in my head that he completely split my head open. I... You know, I, I was bleeding profusely. He refused to take me to the hospital. He knew at that point by taking me to the hospital, I would probably be, you know, in a situation where he would go to jail and I would have to stay in the hospital. And he, he, he kind of saw that and refused to take me to the hospital. So I was raised in the church, JR. So I would say thank God for that, thank my family for that, raising me in the church. As a young girl, I always knew that there was a God, and I just had to be faithful and believe that this situation was temporary, that I wasn't going to be there for a long time. Um, by the time I had my third son, I remember having an encounter as I ended up in a woman's shelter, an encounter with a young lady who said to me that there was help. You know, being that I'm an immigrant, I'm a foreigner, I'm a United States citizen, that there was help. That there was help, definitely, and she gave me some information. She said, you know, you need to go to this location. You need to ask for help. There are resources. You can get your green card. You can get, 
you know, work permit, you can get out of this situation. So I began to seek and search more for information and came across that there was indeed a um, an American law that is to protect women like myself who are married to their abusers who are either United States citizens or legal permanent residents. And I began the process of the paperwork. You know, I, it took me about eight, nine months to just go through the ordeal of the paperwork and hiding this all from my husband. God forbid he found out then that I was doing that. I probably believe he would have killed me. Um, but thankfully, you know, I did everything, you know, wisely with, you know, seeking advice from people who knew what they were doing and what they were talking about. And um, thankfully, by the summer of 2006, I uh, finally got that document in the mail that I was, at that point, a green card holder, which gave me so much satisfaction and freedom. And I was so thankful to God and the people who came in my life around the time that helped me get this information. You know, when you went through that, and it had to be a very dark time for you because you dealt not only with the abuse, but you also dealt with the fear, I believe, of him uh, reinforcing the fact of threatening you that because you were not an American citizen and you did not have your paperwork, uh, he used that as power and control over you, threatening uh, to take the kids, threatening you that you would be deported. And so he used all of those things of what you did know in order to keep you in bondage. Would that be correct? That is absolutely correct, they are. It was always a threat, you know, whenever I say, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to go through this anymore. I genuinely did not want to raise my children in this environment. But I had to face the reality at that time. You see, there, I'm stuck with this man who's, you know, abusing me, constantly hitting me. I mean, I'm talking black eyes, busted lips, bruises, or, or I'm going to face being homeless with my children. So it was a very difficult time with a constant reminder that you have no way of working, you have no way of providing, you have no way of getting my children, you know, and, you know, so it was very, very difficult. And, yes, that kept me behind for many, many years. The idea of not having a way of providing for my kids kept me back from really leaving him. And so when we talk about that, and you, you talk about all those fears there because, especially for those that are listening tonight, and you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, I am your host, J.R. Thickland, and I have a couple of very special guests that are with me tonight. You're listening to Sheila uh, Bryan, and she's sharing her story. You know, having come from uh, another country, and you're here, and there's so many things that happen. We all experience prejudices in one sense or another. Here you are from another country, but your skin looked like any other African-American individual, and yet still inside of that which you were going through um you had the you had the different uh, other elements that's going on not only you not being a being a uh citizen of this country but you also had the whole point going on as far as if you would uh, those that might have judged you because you uh did speak another language those that might have uh, looked at you as a person that might have deserved the abuse but one of the things you shared with me previously was that this abuse was not just physical this abuse also was emotional. It was uh, it, w- it was spiritual, uh, uh, but it also was economical or financial abuse that you endured as well. And I- I'd like to share a little bit more with our audience about that because of the fact. So often the whole mainstream focus on the physical abuse, and oftentimes do not put enough emphasis on the other type of abuse that also serves as a oppressing tool of the perpetrator. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you, JR. 
most times we often hear the word domestic violence and we automatically assume that it becomes, you know, a physical punch from one individual to the other. But in violence, in, in, in domestic cases, it, many times it becomes financial abuse to where one partner is opposing that the other makes more money or perhaps stagnate the growth of the financial growth in the home. So many times as one spouse is the main source of income, becomes very difficult to do better things, to grow. It becomes, you know, difficult as you have children as well to, you know, pay for better schools or to live in a, you know, different environment, a better neighborhood. Perhaps a spiritual abuse is preventing from going to church, preventing from having any visits. And, you know, those things are truly also part of domestic violence because it is, as you're saying, it's oppressing. It is continuous preventing that one spouse from reaching out, from seeking help, from doing much better. And, you know, many times, you know, one one going through that, you, you become suicidal, you become depressed, uh, many different, you know, feelings and emotions that do, do go through your, your mind. It truly has, you know, an effect on the children, especially in the cases where there are young children, whether it's between the marriage, the relationship, you know, one partner bringing the children into the relationship so all that trickles down into the children as well so domestic violence is not just affecting the person who's physically getting attacked but it's affecting emotionally those who are around who are helpless like the children and that's a great point uh, to bring out because in many times you know from the outside looking in there are folks who know of people being in an abusive relationship and they oftentimes they pass judgment without understanding the dynamics the fact that you know the children are exposed to it the children are involved oftentimes the dependency of the victim on the perpetrator to be the breadwinner uh, and, and in many cases where uh, the uh, victim may not have the skills or job skills or other opportunities to do things they're they're left dealing with uh, the situation of if I leave, how am I going to make it? And all those they play a part. And, and you kind of gave uh, you kind of gave actually testimony to that. But where, where I want to guide you now is the fact that what was a key part for you getting out? Was it that defining moment when that person at that shelter said, "Look, there are you know there are things in place for a person like you." to be able to get your status and to be able to get out of this situation? Was that the beginning of the green light? And if it was, where did you go from there? Well, to be very, very livid about the situation, just going back, my turning point was remembering one night, again, you know, the constant abuse. And, you know, I did at that point back in 2000, I have my older sister, which my only sister flew in from South America she came back to live in the United States as well. So we both split. You know, we had our separate lives. But my sister usually used to come and help me out and, you know, do her best. But I was married, so she was limited to how much assistance she could provide me. Um, and I remember one night, you know, having this, you know, fight again with my husband, calling my sister to help me to come to come pick me up with me and my kids. And she was on her way, and she got into a very, very bad accident and, um you know, and that was a turning point, the idea of me losing my sister because I'm in this relationship, because I'm allowing this man to abuse me. You know, that was it for me. That was the the moment that I had to do something because I was, I was, I was never able to think that I could live with the guilt of me 
being the reason for my sister losing her life to come and save my life, which I had control in my hand. Um, so as I went to the shelter, you know, I remember having a conversation with this young lady, and she said, you know, there is help. So I already made a decision that I was going to leave. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. So the moment I made a decision, JR, and, you know, I ended up in the women's shelter in Broward, where I reside, I remember this conversation was just God aligning me on purpose that I could get out, that there is a way out. But I made a decision, so it becomes crucial for anyone who's listening who is either in the situation that wants to get out or know of someone, it first has to be a decision to just get out. And everything aligned itself right after. You know, the young lady I came across shared me some information. She said, you can go to this congressman's office um, right in my area, I remember walking in, you know, in tears, just really, really asking, I need help. I really need help. So in the office, you know, a couple of people came to my rescue. They just asked me tons of questions, and we began to process paperwork. I had no money. I did not know how I was going to pay for this because everything costs money, obviously. So sometimes we begin to look at the obstacles versus, the, you know, the outcome. You know, we do want to get out. We do want better. But we look at the obstacles sometimes. So I didn't look at obstacles at that point. I just made a decision, and everything started falling in place right after. Well, that's very powerful. I'm, I'm glad you shared because oftentimes, you know, from the outside looking in, it does, so for some people, it seemed easier said than done. But on the other end, as difficult as it was, you said something that was powerful and that you cannot begin to leave until you leave. You won't get out of it until you actually make those steps to go out. Every step is a step of faith. So we have to look yeah. at that. Every step is a step of faith in getting out of that. You know, support is so important at that time. Your turning point was very significant because you uh, you saw that this issue and the relationship that you were in was not only affecting you, but the consequences of you being in it was also affecting family members, and in this case, your dear sister, and that became your eye-opening moment. It was your moment of truth, and uh, everything began to turn around from that point on, and that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing, and I want to ask one other question uh, of you before I bring in uh, um, Sabrina Harris, because I think you guys share uh, very similar stories, and one says, and yet it's still a different uh, path you've taken. Now that this has been behind you and you've been out of this for for a, a great period of time, I want you to share with the audience what are some of the things that you have now done. I mean, you are you are a motivational speaker. You you, you do trainings. You are an entrepreneur in your own right. How did you get there? What was the what was it that brought you from pain to power? Wow, that is a very good question. I would like to first give glory to God. Um, I wouldn't be here on this line without him giving me the strength and the courage and just constantly speaking and praying and asking him to lead me, to guide me, to show me, just to give me one more day. Just give me one more day. So um, first I would like to thank him, you know, thank God for all things because I really, I did not know I would be here today. I did not know it. I, I, I believe that there was a better way. I believe that there was always an outcome that I wanted, but I just couldn't believe and I couldn't see when you're in a situation where you're being abused, you cannot see light. You all see darkness. You cannot see light. So as I got out of the situation, once I really got out of the marriage, you know, when we went through the courts and divorce was finalized and 
my life began at the moment where I made a decision not to look back, but just to look forward. I started a regular job. You know, I put my kids in daycare at the time. They were very, very little, nine years ago. There were, I believe, uh, three, two, and nine months at the time. And once I put my children in school, I began a job. You know, everything unfolded. I began to meet great people, got aligned me with some amazing individuals who began to open my eyes, who began to give me wisdom, opening doors. And I just took steps of faith one after the other, one after the other, knocking on doors and just taking advantage of opportunities that just felt right, that I knew that would help me become a better person, become a better mother, and eventually begin to talk to women. Um, it's just great to know that at some point my life story has served over the nine, nine years now that I've been out of that situation. My life story has served to save some women from going through it, some women who are currently, you know, in the situation, to give them hope that it's possibilities that they can get out. Um, and so I always knew that I had to become better. So just to getting out of that situation till today, GR, genuinely has been my faith, my belief that I can you know, always give back and, you know, just be a servant to people and um, use my story as nothing but a, a, you know, source of faith because we know that the word says that faith comes by hearing. You know, hope, hope is important. Faith is important. For, so, so, so once we know that we have overcome a struggle and, and, and we've come through a very difficult journey, we can now help someone else who's in the same situation. Absolutely. Well, what a powerful testimony, and the fact that you came out and that your faith brought you through it. And oftentimes that's a missing element because it's one thing to find physical safety, but it's another thing to find a spiritual and a place, a centerpiece of not only hope, but a centerpiece of of, of serenity, knowing that God is with you, and it brought you out. And I thank you so very much for sharing. Stay with us. I know you're going to have to be leaving soon, but what I want to do is immediately after this commercial break, I'm going to bring on um, Sabrina Harris, the uh, founder and CEO of the House of Love Villionaires, and what a testimony she also have. And uh, I'm going to set it up, but I want you to stay tuned to it. We'll be right back after Absolutely. the break. You're listening to Hope and Killing, A Journey to Hope. via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests, 
as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the soul of America Radio. I am MD Harlem 2. And I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide, coast to coast talk radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. What a powerful show that we have tonight. Two very special guests uh, that have been on. You've had the opportunity to listen to Sheila uh, Bryan, and what a powerful story. A story of not only going through the abuse, but surviving the abuse. difference that knowledge made and information, but even more importantly, the faith that she had to sustain her after she came out of it. In many ways, our next guests uh, share a very similar path. She, too, was very young when she was inside of her abusive situation, both of them 18-year-old uh, inside of that regard. And our, our guest now is uh, Sabrina Harris. She is the CEO and uh, founder of the House of La Villionaire. She'll tell you more about that. But besides that, she's, not, she's a survivor of domestic violence. She is a, she is a, uh, a, a mental health counselor. She is an individual that, uh, listen, she, she's a lot of things. She's doing a lot of things that are making uh, some tremendous difference. And I want to welcome her to the show tonight because she's also one of my friends and colleagues as well. Good evening. Welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. Sabrina, you're on the air with us. Good evening, Namaste, Pastor Thicklin. I salute you for the platform and for the opportunity to join you this evening. I give all praise and honor to God, first and foremost, for he is the reason and the possibility for everything that transpires and that comes together how it's supposed to be. And also to my queen sister, Sheila Bryan, I, we've interacted so much now, I honestly look forward to meeting her in person and just giving her a big hug and saluting her for what she's doing as well. Well, you know, that's a powerful, that's very powerful because to a certain degree, there becomes a sisterhood, if you would, for those that have come out of these type of relationship, abusive relationship, and perhaps a kindred in spirit in the sense of the fact of the power of triumph. And I think that is something that you both share uh, mutually. And uh, and yet and still, as much as your stories are so very similar, your path of coming out 
has caused something to happen within each of you. You and I uh, have had some tremendous times together inside of just discussing. As a matter of fact, we know that when we talk, we generally have to make some room for space because it can go on and on and on because of just the passion that we have. And we know that there are things that God has given us, not just to talk about it, but to be about it. And, uh, and so I want you to share with our audience tonight, share with them your journey inside of going from your pain to power. Well, it's very interesting, my start, because I came from a two-parent, very stable household. My mother was present. My father was present. They were married. My brother was there. And there was a tremendous spiritual base. We were raised in the church, Southern Baptist. We got all the teachings and everything else. But the one thing that someone enamored me, and I was a daddy's girl to the end of power, but it was the way that my father interacted with his family, the love that he had for his family, but the way that he treated my mother. He was so kind and respectful and patient, and he made sure that his family wanted for nothing. So I realize now that it set my expectation for what I desired to see within a man and within a relationship. And I realize now that I set the bar way very, very high, and the standards were way up there, and I wasn't willing to relinquish them because that's all I knew. But my journey started when I was about 18 years old, and one of the things that was very telling for me inside of this relationship that eventually ensued and progressed into marriage was that I had already had a child. So I had a child out of wedlock, and that relationship, it fell apart, and I met who was to be my ex-husband, and it materialized on from there. But it didn't start out problematic, and that's the seed I tried desperately to plant in the hearts and minds of young people because it didn't start out that way. Although, mind you, we weren't equally yoked by any means for a lot of reasons, it was just a nice, amicable meeting, starting of a relationship, and it eventually progressed. Although now I can reflect back on a lot of the training and things that I know and I'm aware of, there were warning signs. There were red flares all over the place, but I didn't see them as such because I was young and naive. But I spoke about with Bakari Wright and Sheila Bryan and yourself when we were on a week or so ago about the culminating experience or the one that really stood out the most. And that's the one when we were having a verbal exchange, an argument. And one of the things I realized about him now that I didn't recognize as so then was a very controlling nature, a need to be in in control, to be the man, and to be all of this. And I was so in my heyday not willing to be controlled, so I was not submissive by any means. And we had a verbal exchange that I felt like I had won. I felt pretty good about it. And it ended up with him burning me on my knee with a cigarette lighter from the car. And I'll never forget the way he looked, and I'll never forget the expression in his words, like, you won't talk to me that way. You will never argue with me. We we won't do this. You will not do whatever I say pretty much goes. And that was the point where the dam burst, but I remember that night nursing my knee. I knew I couldn't tell my father because it would have been a problem. 
because, I, again, daddy's little girl. I knew I couldn't tell my brother because it would have been another problem, but it would have been like two men at war for sure. And somewhere deep inside of me, I knew that the situation was wrong and I knew it, the behavior was off the Richter and off the mark, but somewhere inside of me I told myself that I loved him enough to be able to help him and get through it. And long story short, it got progressively worse, but the children had started by that point. We had gotten a home together. We had accumulated things together. So in a lot of ways, I teach people now about questioning why people stay because a lot of times there is no true justification from the outside because logically it doesn't make sense. But to, to the person going through it, especially when your mindset is warped or it's not open or there's not a good understanding, you just don't put it together in a logical way, but it makes sense to you. So I talk a lot about revictimization of asking people, well, why did you stay? Because I get that quite a bit when people hear me talk or they hear me speak or, oh, I can never see you going through anything like that or accepting anything like that. And I say, oh, there was a time. I didn't always have the knowledge and the experience and the fortitude that I have today, thank God, that he empowered me and gave me this voice and gave me the non-fear factor, but it wasn't always this way. Wow. You know, so over a period of time, not only did you learn, but over a period of time you also have found your voice. And you found your voice in a way, and one of the things that's been so interesting and such a delight in, in working with you is, is is even the way that you think. That because although you were a victim and you came through this, and you are now a victorious survivor, the process that you went through in order that you may become whole and that you that your life became better and not bitter is something I think that people need to hear because although you went through all this and there's been some things that you've not even shared that have been absolutely uh, just, you know, horrendous, I mean, some atrocious things that have happened inside of that, and yet still you've come out of it, you've, been, you, 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 uh, you've gone through your healing process, and I always say that we're always healing, but definitely you've come to that place now that rather than being bitter, you're better. You're about empowering and you're empowering women, and, and, and one thing I like is that there, there doesn't seem to be the re- residual of I hate all men uh, thing that have uh, happened with you, but rather you have actually taken a stand to talk about the fact that, that, uh, that men are good men, there are good men, and that, uh, that men too are victims of this, whether it's through being exposed to it at home or uh, living that type of life, and you talked about the fact of even how we have to embrace our brothers as well. So that's a different dynamic inside of that, and I definitely would love for you to take the opportunity to talk about that because that also leads us into some very special event that, that is about to happen here real soon. Absolutely. I want to thank you both, first of all, yourself and Sheila, for touching on the various aspects of abuse. Because you are absolutely right that most people zero in on physical. But certainly within mine, there was emotional, there was verbal, there was spiritual, financial, sexual, professional, and academic. Because a lot of women don't realize that a lot of times their way out is to become better educated, more educated, the better position that brings in the income. And a lot of times 
the partner recognizes that and there's a maneuver or a strategic ploy to block and stop. I remember both times during undergrad having arguments in the parking lot and one became physical. And I, to this day, cannot explain to you or give you any justification or rationale for doing that. But I became to understand that he saw my success and my advancement and my flowering as his loss of control. And I now can recognize that. But one thing I want to say about seeing the abuser and perpetrator differently is this. Once I got to the point of leaving the relationship and that wasn't even a feat within itself because I remember sitting in the bed one morning and I just woke up and I couldn't start crying. I couldn't stop crying. I was just so emotional. It was like just my whole body was shaking. And I remember praying to God. I mean, it was almost like a conversation in sorts. And I say, Lord, if there is any true purpose, if there is any reason why I am going through all of this and it was meant to be, Please show me without a shadow of a doubt. But I say, if this is of my own accord, my own systematic doing, and I need to systematically undo it with your help, your favor, your grace, please show me that as well. And Pastor Thicklin, two days later, situation culminated into me having to call the police, him arming himself, him being tased by the police, arrested, and that long journey home. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my open door. But I also knew coming out of that relationship, number one, that I did have to go through a process. I'm going to be completely honest, and that's one of the reasons why the forgiveness event that we're doing coming on April 18th, it came to bear because I realized that I did – hurt. I did have a level of hate in my heart. I had not found my way to forgiveness. But one thing I was mindful of, that I was not going to carry that into my next relationship. So I took a pause and spent some time with Sabrina. And I went through a process almost as if I was grieving. And I allowed myself to experience emotions and read the books and speak to mentors and tap into people who were spiritual so they could pour into me and help me understand that everything that I was feeling, it made perfect sense as to what I had gone through. But the point was to not get stuck, to somehow add purpose to my pain, make it relevant. And I'll also be honest that I fought do battle with becoming open and and forthright and having this platform because I was very prideful and very private. And I did not want to open up and bear that part of my life that I had been in shelters and I had escaped and been in a safe house for three or four months and that my children had been placed here with my mother while I moved residence two or three times, but that I had always gone back and listened to the honeymoon phase of the apologies and it's not going to happen again. This is the last time. I, I really didn't want people to see me in my state of weakness. And God, in 2013, I'll never forget it, I had gone through an accident, debilitation, I had gone through recuperation, therapy, and all of this, and he said, this is the season. This is the shift. This is the turn. You didn't go through all of that for nothing. 
and it's not for you to be silent. These things that you keep shelving, that you keep writing, that you keep speaking about in conversations here and there, this is for many. And one thing I'll never forget, and my mother actually had to remind me of it later. I was about 21 years old, and I had attended a church service at her encouragement. I wasn't in the church at that time. I was living my life, and I was doing my own thing. And I'll never forget, I was seated like on the far left end of the pew, and there was a woman all the way down on the other end. And she kept moving. Like she moved a little bit. She made her way down to me, and she was just crying. And she said, I know you don't know me. She said, but I got to be obedient to God, and I got to tell you. And she said, I see a sea, a sea of women. And it's a lot of darkness and a lot of tears. But she said, you're going to touch many. You're going to reach many. And she just began to prophesy. And Pastor Thicklin, I laughed. I left church laughing. I was like, wow. She could not have been farther off the mark with me because my life was nowhere near that. And everything she wow. said has come to pass and still coming to pass. Wow. Isn't it amazing that even in the midst of where you were at the time, at a time when you could not see, could not even phantom yourself being this incredible tool, incredible instrument, this incredible influence, this woman was able to look into the spirit realm and actually see that there was a purpose for your life and that was even a purpose for your pain and that out of your pain, out of the experience that you had, that you would be used as an instrument of God's love. Yeah. That's Most amazing. Definitely. And it you've done amazing. some great things. You've done some great well, things. Thing and I want to say this. Go right ahead. Hmm? No, no, no. I I just wanted to say one of the things that I'm very honest about, too, in my life is that I was not perfect in that season. And I never want to make it seem at all one-sided because there was a period of time when I felt like I needed to defend myself or there was a period of time when I was disrespectful because all of the things that were going on and going wrong. So I realized and I accept and I have asked for forgiveness for my role and my part even going through my pain, I was not excused from my behavior as well. So I think that's also important towards forgiveness. It is. Listen, people, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and uh, I tell you, you're listening to our special guest, one of our special guests, uh, Ms. Sabrina Harris, the CEO and founder of the House of the Billionaires, and so many great things, uh, mover, shaker, and a powerful businesswoman. And uh, those of you that have been with us most of the time, you've also listened to uh, Sheila uh, Bryan, and uh, Sheila has to go, and I think you're still on the line, but if you could just say, uh, give you a good vibe, we thank you so much, and I know that you've heard Sabrina, and all of us are going to be together real soon. I know we are and everything. So um, if you would, Sheila, give us your, your your last parting words before we go to commercial break. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JR. I got to say, I am containing my tears, Sabrina. I am containing my tears for you, not just of joy, but just to know that I am really you and you are me. And I'm so <laughs> grateful to God for this connection. Um, thank you so much, Jr., for having me. I truly look forward to an in-person, you know, meet and greet with the both of you pretty soon, and I continue to impact the world because this is what we were really created for. Our struggles are not by 
same room for us to just lay out, you know, lay in and be sad and hope around. Our struggles are truly a revelation of how good God has been to us, like giving our story and testimony for others to have hope and believe that, yes, if it happened for me, it can happen for you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I love you, sister, queen in Christ, and thank you so much. Have a blessed night. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so much for being there. And uh, uh, I tell you, we're looking forward to even great, greater shows that are coming as we bring together survivors. We're going to take a commercial break, and I I know that I have my distinguished uh, colleague and uh, partner inside of De- De- uh, Destiny by Choice is on the line as well, Dr. Douglas, and I'm, hopefully I'm going to be able to get her on before we end tonight because of the fact of uh, just some powerful insight here. And I know that in, uh, in, in her uh in her quest and in her plight of addressing these issues, she's seen uh, so many things from so many different walks of life. So immediately after commercial break, uh, we'll come back and um, we'll finish listening to uh, Sabrina, and we'll hopefully bring on Dr. Douglas as well. And remember, if you have a question and or comment, simply uh, hit number one on your keypad if you're listening in right now, and that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. We'll get you on the air. You don't have to give your name, but we will get you on the air. And as always, we thank you for listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hope. Us. We'll be right back. Right this via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. by choice to fellowship on facebook is a spiritual drama-free judgment-free fellowship forum for light minds to share in encouragement through testimonies scriptures music prayer worship and fellowship it is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences we welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am MD Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide, coast to coast. 
Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland. And I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Solo America Radio Network from coast to coast. Every Monday night is where you find us. For those of you that are listening to us online, www.soloamericaradio.com, we thank you for joining us. And, of course, if you have a question at any given time, simply call in, area code 323-784-9638, and um, hit the number one on your keypad after you're in that lets our producer know that you want to come on. And those of you that are listening online, even now, if you have a question and a comment, you don't have to give your name. Just simply hit number one on the keypad, we'll get you in. Before the break, we were listening to our very special guest, Sabrina Harris, uh, the CEO and founder of the House of Lavillionaires. And uh, we're talking about not only her journey from pain to power and what has happened as a result of it. Uh, we had Sheila uh, Bryan on earlier, and the both of them. And we're in the midst of our conversation with Sabrina and uh, some very special events that are happening, one being on April 18th, uh, 2015, here in the South Florida area. So those of you that are listening from out of town and around the globe, those of you that may be listening back on podcasts, uh, April 18th, that's a Saturday market calendar, and uh, she's going to give you more information. If you desire to come and spend a very, very uh, well-spent weekend here in beautiful South Florida, this is the event you want to attend. And so I'm going to go back to Sabrina, and she's going to talk a little bit more about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about another event that will be coming up as well. And we're going to uh, go ahead and get Dr. Douglas on the line as well. Uh, everything Dr. Douglas is not only our friend and colleague within Destiny by Choice, everything Dr. Douglas is a uh, uh, she's a behavior scientist. Uh, she, she has done it all. She has been involved in this area of domestic violence uh, for nearly 30 years, if not more. And she's done a lot of work across the country with this and i know that she's been listening to these uh powerful stories from the women so we're bringing in dr douglas well but sabrina we'll start back off with you uh inside of um where you're at now and where we're going here with not only uh the i love it the art of letting it go <laughs> and and from there to some other things that you're doing you're on there uh, thank you again, Pastor Thicklin. The brunch that we have coming up, it's an empowerment brunch on April 18th from 11 o'clock to 4 o'clock. It's at the Doubletree Hilton in Palm Beach Gardens. And the concept came to me, it was a resonating theme with me doing the crisis counseling and doing a lot of mentorship and speaking with people. I was becoming overwhelmed with the stuck point that I was encountering. And, I mean, it was like almost as if a lot of these individuals were safeguarding their hate and the disappointment and the the just the unhappiness and lack of being okay with where they were in life. And a lot of it was leading to anxiety, depression. These people were really going through some psychological trauma because they were not able to let it go. They're perception of the events that had occurred and how they felt about it and what they felt was done to them, et cetera. And God laid it on my mind and heart that it needs to be an understanding and not just a secular understanding, but with a spiritual connotation that there is a process 
to being able to forgive. There's an art to it. There's a science to it. And there, it's a process that must be learned and taught and educated. And I also wanted it to come from the two different veins, not just a male perspective, not just a female perspective, but from both. And that's what we've done. We've brought two pastors, male pastors together and two female pastors as well and have them come into the environment in addition to myself from a more of a counseling and inspirational empowerment perspective to try and bring all the pieces together. And then we have the platforms we give to spoken word artistry, the interpretive and mind dance. So it's just an eclectic event, but the theme is definitely forgiveness. And not only is it forgiveness, you know, inside of what is going on there, uh, there, there is something very powerful that is happening because there's going to be actually, I'm not going to call it a forgiveness circle, but it's definitely going to be a, a time of really forgiveness, exercising that inside of that. And um, it's going to be powerful in every stretch of the imagination. And what we're seeing is that healing, you know, healing, will take place for those that are looking for healing. You know, there are many times that people are stuck. They're stuck. They don't get healed because they, because um, oftentimes they have not gotten to the place that they want to forgive. And we all know that forgiveness is a process. And so inside of it, for many, they they will hold on to that pain because for them that pain reminds them of what happened to them. And, uh, you know, and what happened to them is oftentimes where they're stuck at. But our whole point is to get them from what happened to them and to the place of what what is now happening for them. And that's what's very powerful inside of that. You know, and that's that one event on April 18th is going to be powerful, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the beautiful Doubletree Hilton Hotel there in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. But then in June, June is going to be quite an event as well because we're talking about June 26th and 27th, and in particular, I believe, that those are the dates. And, and you're talking about on the 26th where there's going to be a platform there that is going to deal with a level of addressing the issue of domestic violence. That uh, It's going to be very interesting because we're going to not only have uh, female survivors and, 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 and everything, but we're going to also have male survivors of domestic violence. We're going to have men that was once perpetrators of domestic violence that will be sharing that platform about their mindset, their behavior and thought process while they were in it and how they came out of it and how they have been able to sustain and live a life uh, being uh, abusive-free inside of it. And there's some other things that are happening.